Hi all, welcome back to another podcast. I've got Joe on today, who's a Hammers fan. How are you doing, Joe? I'm good, I'm good. Well, very good at the moment, being a Hammers fan. Flying, but now happy to be here. Great. Well, um, today we're going to review the previous set of fixtures that took place before the international break, and then we'll analyse the upcoming matches this weekend and make some predictions. So we'll go in chronological order. We'll start with the Southampton-Aston Villa game, which finish 1-0. Did you did you watch this game? What did you make of it? Um I didn't watch this game, but I I did I did think it was interesting. I because it was no, it was an early goal from Southampton, right? And um Villa have just they've been disappointing me a bit recently. I really thought going into this going into the season, I thought they were they were they were going to be special. I thought they invested the um Grealish money well and at the moment I'm looking at the last five losses in a row at the moment and I just I don't know how they can how they can turn that around I don't think they'll be in a relegation battle anytime soon but I just think they should be aiming for higher than 16th at the moment and that's what's been disappointing yeah and um as we both know Dean Smith's been sacked as well he was mm-hmm. under so much pressure and mm-hmm. now we've got Steven Gerrard coming through and we'll go through him a bit later and what what we think how he will impact this Villa team. But yeah, five five losses on the bounce, as you said. Um, it was a great performance from Southampton, actually. I thought Armstrong's finish for the goal was pretty good. Mm. Uh, he takes so many shots as well. And Livermento down that right-hand side has been so impressive. What have you made of him in his debut season in the Prem? He has been very impressive. I'm, uh, I'm just reading... Um, some notes on it saying king of the match and he has he has been he has been good down that wing um he's not quite coming into my fantasy yet but if he uh, if he starts making some more uh, contributions he could be he could be a player to pick up um pretty cheap i believe yeah um i luckily managed to start the season with him he was only four million so really? i just him in yeah i good what's he worth now let's have a look I think he's worth roughly 4-3. So he's still like a really cheap defender. But yeah, been really impressed with him. The only unfortunate thing for Southampton is um, Chelsea have a 25 million buyback clause. Um, but he won't be getting in above James or Aspie anytime soon. So I think Southampton will get to keep him for a couple of years until he potentially goes back. But I think he's shown he has a really high ceiling and he has the potential to be like a world beater on his day. Um, yeah. Also looking at the Southampton defence, Salisu has replaced Vestergaard, who's gone off to Leicester for 20 million. I thought that was also really smart business from them because I, mean, I don't know about you, but I don't really rate Vestergaard that highly. And no, I don't. Um, I actually think outside of that, they've got a pretty, pretty decent, pretty decent defence. It felt like with uh, with Bednarek in there, he's almost. Uh, I'm excited to coming in. He's is not is not unnecessary anymore, and it feels like a good bit of business. Um, and now that Southampton, that Southampton defense is looking looking a lot stronger. I mean, Villa aren't playing brilliantly, but clean sheets are, uh, are always good. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. And obviously, they sold um, Ings as well this season, who missed missed this game actually against his former club. But it was interesting to see uh, Watkins lead the line as well. Do you think? He has the potential to do well for the rest of the season. We haven't seen much from him yet, but um, I think I think he he's he's struggling a bit. I I thought he was really impressive last season, and I th- feel like uh, he's struggling to hit those heights again, which is interesting. I thought um, he as he I was getting into it more last season, he'd be uh, he'd start flying, but 
I don't know how um, him and him and Ings are really linking up. It doesn't it doesn't feel like they've quite sorted out uh, how to how to how to play them both, and, and we can't really get the best out of Walkins. But they have um, they have got Bailey Bailey playing very well, um, which is which is big for them because he is he is quite a player. Yeah, um, we were uh, West Ham were I was I was I was desperate for Antonio to try and convince him to go to West Ham, but. Uh, Instead, he's, he's a yeah, of course. The Jamaican links would have, yeah, come. exactly. I thought maybe in training, Antonio would give him a word, you know, as uh, Suchek did to Sufal, but um, no, the international connection not quite not quite made it there. But he is playing very well, and I think, I think this, this Aston Villa team is it just it has to do better than what it's doing. I mean, you look at this squad, I'm looking at the lineup, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm seeing quality. Um, I mean, I think their midfield could use a bit more strengthening, but McGinn and Bailey are both so strong, and their defense is very is just is just really good, and they have one of the best keepers in the league. So I just I think they need to be aiming a lot higher than than what they're doing at the moment. But all credit to Southampton, who are who are four games unbeaten now, three wins out three wins out of four with a draw. I mean, they're 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 been, they're been a nice turnaround with them. Agreed, yeah. And just to touch on Villa as well, I think obviously they sold Grealish, and it's hard to you know, recover from a loss like that. Yeah. And their director of football, Christian Perza, at the start of the season said, you know, we sold Grealish, you could shoot, he could pass and he could dribble. So we've replaced him with someone who can shoot, someone who can pass and someone who can yeah. dribble. Yeah, and at, at first I thought that's a good explanation, but the idea of having one player who can, you know, encompass all those three skills into one, it's just mm. a completely different, different art. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think there was always going to be a bit of a regression this season, losing Greenish, even though they, I think they replaced him quite well. I don't know what else they could have really done, to be honest. But Yeah, I think they replaced him in terms of quality and those attributes, as you said. But I think what can't be understated is the sort of psychological impact of, of your, your tallies man leaving, um, leaving the squad like that and going on to, to join Man City. It's just... I think it's had a uh, a bigger effect on the players and the and the squad and the feeling around the club than maybe they than they thought. And even though I think they replaced them well and um, they used the money well, it's it's difficult to uh, to truly replace a person that has so much you know um, as a villa in, the, in themselves. Yeah, completely agree. And the Watkins Ings partnership just hasn't flourished yet. Hopefully, it will in games to come. But I think Watkins has been forced out wide a lot more and. I think he's really good at pressing and just adding to the team in terms of teamwork and stuff. But I think it's just not working at the moment. I think hopefully Gerard can get something out of him and, you know, generate that front three. Yeah, because last season I was thinking um, uh, as a West Ham fan, maybe I've got the wrong Brentford player here. Maybe I've, uh, he's come into the Premier League and really and really flown. And Ben Robert did have a good first season, but he was uh, struggling with the contribution so much whilst Watkins was scoring. Scoring in and out, but now it feels like Ben Rama's got more of a feeling with the club, and uh, and Watkins hasn't really settled this season. So it's uh, it's interesting to see how them two who will uh, who will turn out to be the best signing from from a great from Brentford. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Ben Rama's had a great season with West Ham, obviously. And I'm sure we'll talk about him later. Mm. So the next game of the weekend was Man U Man City, which was a comfortable victory for City in the end. Um, what did you make of this? I, I did watch this, um, watch this one. And it, yeah, as you said, it felt, felt very comfortable. It didn't feel like um, C were particularly worried at any point. And that's, that's been a, uh, a sign of how their, 
how those two clubs have, uh, are playing at the moment. It felt for City were very comfortable. I mean, 2-0 is just the exact the exact scoreline that reflected the match. City, United not really go, showing much going forward and City were two, uh, two I mean, the, the own goal was a bit disappointing, but Silver with a nice goal. Um, and it just, it felt very, com- very comfortable for them. And that's just sort of how they've been playing at the moment this season. And uh, I think, and there's now the question over, over, over Ole and um, United just look, like they're not packing the force that um that they should do with that squad. Yeah, I think last season one of his you know main successes actually was in these top six games, Ollie. Mm-hmm. In terms, it was behind closed doors, I guess. You had no fans, and I think that's actually played a huge factor now because at Old Trafford, for example, they can't really afford to sit back. If you look at the Liverpool game, they tried to come out and play because they knew that if if they sat back, then the fans would be on their backs. It happened in the City game, actually, where they set up with a five back and played quite defensively. And the fan base can get quite toxic, I think. So Yeah, they definitely can. You see the uh, um, the protest they've had about the, the owners. and but, but they do feel justified in that because you look at the, the squad and the, and the attacking players of Man United, and you just, you want them to come out and, and, and play and when you've got when you've got Sancho and Rashford on the and on the bench and and Lingard I mean I, I have personal question uh on the bench meanwhile you're playing a five at the back and, and you're not getting really the best out of those defenders because your defense is still struggling it just doesn't feel like it's uh another fellow is going well and if the fans feel justified in uh in complaining about those sorts of things yeah completely agree Sancho just can't get into the team at the moment. But to be honest, I've been underwhelmed of him so far. Yeah, I expect him to come good. in and be, you know, really electric. But I just feel he's taking too many touches and he's just not having any impact on any game I've seen so far. Yeah, he's not. I think he's struggling to sort of get the uh, scruff of the neck of the game, um, which is, I think, a, a problem a lot of players have come into the Premier League. They struggle with the pace of it and they they just struggle to make, make, make an impact. They're sort of always chasing the game a bit and they can't really um, get involved in it. But I do think that will come. And uh, I think he's shown glimpses of that, um, but just not enough to get in the team at the moment. So it's justified that he's on the bench, but it's also, um, it feels strange to have, to, to have him on the bench and, and not try and uh, not try force, and, and see him not being able to get into the team because he's just not really um, being able to get hold of games at the moment. For sure. There's, there's no doubt of his quality, but it just seems not playing him on and putting him on the bench just seems illogical a lot a lot like the rest of United's recruitment. And I feel some of their issues actually run beyond the coach himself. So you take $180 million spent on Varane, Maguire, Bailly and Lindelof. You know, some are good ball players, some aren't. Some suit a high line, some don't. And then you have other teams like City and Liverpool who have Diaz, Laporte, Stones. You can see exactly what style of centre-back Pep wants. VVD, Matip, Gomez, Canate, you can see what style Liverpool are going for. And then you've just got United, who were meant to be challenging this season. And I think it's just these basic errors that the men higher up are making. That Even if they brought in a genius manager now, I'm not 100% sure he'd be able to take this obviously great squad with him just because they don't have a suited system for any of their players. No, I agree with that. And I was, and I was thinking about that and how sort of every top um, six club now has had one of those modern genius managers that have uh, have tried to get hold of the, of, of the club, whether it's a, a Klopp or a, a Guardiola and, uh, or a Conte, um, in the case of Chelsea and now Spurs. And Man United just haven't been able to have that. They haven't, I mean, since Alex has left, they just haven't been able to 
get a, a manager that's really made the team feel like his. It doesn't really feel like um, Ole has a, has, a, has a real grip on, on the team in the way that um, other managers do. You sort of see the, you see the Man City logo, you see that club and you see Pep, you see Liverpool and you see the new Liverpool and the new Man City that, that they've developed. And with Man United, it just feels like a mess of different, of different systems and different players. Yeah, I mean, completely agree. And Wan-Bissaka is getting a lot of stick at the moment as well, out uh, right back. Uh, I thought he was so positional, so position, positionally bad on the weekend. It was, you know, really poor to watch. And it's the second time now he did it also against Liverpool, where I think Oli's at times trying to tell him to go press up the pitch means he's chasing like a late press. And then the ball just gets boot, booted over his head. Foden and Cancelo are in, who, to be fair, had awesome games, both of them. Um, but yeah, I was I was actually really interested before he went to Spurs to see, as you said, what Conte could do, a world-class tactical manager at a club like United, just to see what he could do with players like Wan-Bissaka and Maguire, because I think they have all the physical attributes to be an insane defender. They just lack positional sense. And Oli's not a tactical genius. You know, he's a man management coach who's keeping morale high and that's his main attribute so I don't think he's really improved any players do you do you think he's improved any player since he's come in I'm not too sure honestly I I don't I don't think so I think he's either sort of kept players how they are or um, made them worse in some ways I mean you look at the impact that Fernandez had coming into that team and he was already the player he sort of is now and and that doesn't really matter because fortunately he's a good enough player that that carries him but it doesn't feel like Solskjaer uh, had much of a of a positive influence on him he's just sort of stayed the same sort of player and if not gone down since those first um that first season so it, it, these 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 meanwhile he's playing uh Fred and McTominay who uh who have gone down or stayed the same he and and he's and he's put so much faith in them and he's put so much time it feels like into those into players like Fred and, and Matomney, but has he really got much back from them? Has he really got much of an upward um, projection from them? I and mean, they have at times played well, I think, and I think they do get a lot of stick that I think sometimes is a bit unjustified. I think they're actually both okay players, but I just don't think they're, they're what uh, Ole thinks they are or what he needs them to be in, in terms of how much time he's spent on them and how much uh, how much he relies on them constantly in the squad. Yeah, I'm... I... I actually, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I don't think Fred is that bad a player. He just hasn't been coached properly for years now. And you've got... Yeah, I agree. If you add in someone like Conte, I think he could actually just turn him into a bit of a monster because mm-hmm. he's so good at applying the press. That's what a lot of people don't realise. They just see you know him kick the ball away uselessly or not do anything with it. Yeah. So he's press resist. He's good at putting on the press, but if anyone presses him, that's when he comes under pressure. And I think that's something you can coach and teach. And next to McTominay as well, who's a youthful talent, I think he's actually a decent, you know, holding midfielder. And we've seen what he can do attacking-wise as well more and more as the seasons go on. So I actually don't think they're too too bad. But you're seeing Donny van der Beek get no game time at all. And, you know, I'm sure he's not too happy about it. Yeah, I mean, Les van der Beek is a perfect example of a player that's come into this um, Ole system and just hasn't had an impact. Ole hasn't been able to get hold of him, hasn't been able to... He's meant to be a man manager, but he's not given this guy a chance. And and you've got to imagine Van der Beek's morale's low. And, and what do you say for a player like that where they spend a lot, a lot of money on him? And, and the same with, with Sancho. And 
it just it feels like a lot of wasted uh, talent at the squad at the moment. So we'll see what what happens with them. Of course, yeah, and I mean, I feel like Ollie's numbers are up probably quite soon. It so. does. It does feel like that, but I have no idea who could who could come in. I'm not sure who would want to come in because although yeah. you've got the squad, you have got some difficult management upstairs and uh, a lot of pressure. I mean, that Man United job. No matter who comes into it, is going to have a lot. And and you you see like Moyes who who went in there and, and was under so much pressure, wasn't given the budget and and struggled. But he can get hold of a squad as we've seen happen. So could he have got hold of the Man United squad? I think it would look very different now. It would be much more of a traditional David Moyes squad with hardworking players that uh, do a job for him, and it would look very different. And they're pretty. He wouldn't have signed Sancho. He wouldn't have signed. Uh, Van der Beek but it would be a very different squad but would it contend more I think probably yeah I can't disagree can't yeah can't disagree with that really um I think the three main managers that people have touted is Ten Hag at Ajax Brendan Rodgers and Zidane and personally I think Zidane or Ten Hag I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see Rodgers in there and I think United fans wouldn't either with him being ex-Liverpool and yeah I don't even think he's, you know, a top tier manager. I think Ten Hag has proved at Ajax that he can work really well with young players and get them to grow and also just work in a tactically astute way. And Zidane can handle big players as he did at Real Madrid, you know. I think he could come in and handle Ronaldo, Pogba, those sorts of players really and get the best out of them. Yeah, it seems like he needs someone to handle them. And I would like to see one of those... Um, modern tactical geniuses at Man United and see if they could um, sort of go past the old-fashioned way they feel like they're playing for the last few years. Because even even Moyes, who came in, and I think he could have done a better job if he was given more time, he's still a very traditional, a bit of an old-fashioned manager in the way he gets his players. And same with Mourinho. And it feels like Ole plays a bit like that as well. So I would really like to see a modern manager come in and try and use the flair of some of these players um, and use this really good squad and make it just a bit of a different, a bit from a different feel at Man United um, with someone that's a bit more modern and more of a tactical genius. Completely agree. And as much as we're bashing United, we should probably talk about how good City were as well. Yeah, no, no question about that. Yeah. They, uh, they've been so consistent. The player that I picked out to, you know, I think he's had a great start to the season. He's only missed 12 minutes in the Premier League so far. It's João Cancelo. And I just thought he was awesome. And what Pep's done with him, actually, with the whole inverted attacking fullback role, dropping into midfield at times and pushing up, I just think it's just so awesome and just amazing to watch, really. What yeah, do you think? I saw, I, I thought, um, as a traditional back four, uh, the sort of last season when he, there was times where he wasn't really getting in the squad, it didn't feel like he was really um, uh, having a, a, a big amount a few seasons ago. But now he just feels like he's, and so I thought it wouldn't really work, um, the sort of way he plays uh, with uh, in a back four. But actually, he's managed to just get him to even while working a bit of more of an um, untraditional role, still really consistent and still making an impact and 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 doing his job. And I think that's definitely helped by the, a, a strong midfield with um, with Rodri covering a lot, who's just an unbelievable player. Um, and yeah, it's uh, they are they're pretty impressive. Yeah, Rodri is so good and I don't think he gets talked about enough. And obviously with Cancelo, I think you could argue that he's not only first choice left back, but he's also first choice right back and probably one of the first choice names on the team sheet for Pep. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, he's like one of the best fullbacks in the world. So Agreed, yeah. And you've got Sterling as well, who just can't get into this team, obviously, with 
how well they're playing. Do you think he's going to leave in January? If so, where do you think he'll end up? Hmm. Um, I did hear a rumor about Arsenal. You might be. <laughs> I, I assume that's why he brought it up. Uh, which I think would be very interesting. And I think if 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 a place is is right in January, if Arsenal are still doing well, if if Arteta has managed to get hold of his other squad, because I'm not sure how long that was they'll keep on this run of form. But if they if they manage to actually put together um, a continual run until until late January, you feel like there's the, there's a chance he could he could move just to somewhere like that um, because he he isn't getting in this squad and and he's got younger players who are out who are outplaying him at the moment and it feels like even obviously Foden who, who who's who's starting ahead of him a lot of the time but even Grealish off the bench I I, I feel he's um, just more favoured at the moment and Sterling has got to he's seeing two English wingers ahead of him and that's got to be frustrating and so I think there is actually a bit of a chance he he, he moves out in January um, as to where he goes I think um, I I would like to see him at Arsenal I think he might he might actually he might actually thrive at Arsenal uh, that would be interesting though him changing through um, some of the some of the top clubs but I don't really see him going going abroad and I don't see a not top top um, sort of top six club get, getting him so I think it, Either he stays or maybe uh, maybe Arsenal, if they can put together a bit of a run, they could yeah. uh, do something special. I, I think the, the fee being quoted roughly is around the £40 million mark, which I don't think is too... Really? Big. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That's yeah, good. and um, I think the reason we're being labelled as well as a team he could go to is because of how well he did under Arteta when Arteta was assistant there. Mm, he was yeah. the one that was supposedly getting the best out of Sterling and Mares and the wingers in, at City which I found quite interesting. So, yeah, he could be interested in bringing that, bringing that back to the Emirates even. And um, I'll be interested, though, because I think Saka's best position is probably on down that left as well. So I'm not sure that winger role is exactly what we need. But the other two teams uh, earmarked are Newcastle as well, obviously, because of their money now, yeah. and Barcelona. But I don't see how realistic either of those are. So... I would say we're probably front runners if he was to decide to leave. Mm, yeah, no, no, I agree. I don't see how likely yeah. are at the moment being, <laughs> uh, with zero wins on the season. Uh, but you know, maybe. And uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much he'd want to go to Barcelona because, on the one hand, you've got the you've got the prestige of, of Barcelona, but you've got to go abroad and join a team that's sort of mid table at the moment. So yeah. uh, we'll see. Interesting. Yeah, it'll be really interesting this January window, I think. All right, so let's let's move on to this next game. We've got Brentford-Norwich, which involves another manager sacking. Mm. So Norwich won their first game of the season and they decided to sack their manager right after the game, which okay. makes me think it must have been a, a premature decision. You know, they must have yeah, just... Yeah, all that. It does feel like that. Because, um, yeah. yeah. Like they, they had to have made that decision beforehand regardless of that of that result exactly I feel like it must have been on the on the morning actually or maybe just the day before but perhaps mm. because we they knew they had an international break coming up which gives them a week or two to find the right manager um, and now they've got Dean Smith in who as we just spoke about was on a bad run at Villa but he obviously did really well for them and brought them up so how do you think he's gonna settle in do you think he's going to be able to keep them up um, I don't. I don't think he's going to keep it. I just don't think Norwich have the squad 
of players. I think they've got a few, they've got a few players, but I just and, and actually um a, a, a solid defense and, and actually a very strong fullback, which I think is important. I was I, I was looking at Max Aaron's, so I really wanted uh, West Ham to, to go for him, although we don't really need a right back at the moment. But I thought I thought he's a, he's a good player. Um but I just don't see um they're having the squad to get the run the run of games. I mean they're not actually hugely far off of the um in the relegation zone they're five points out which is not great but you know with a, with a, a good um initial sort of stint from Dean Smith which often happens when you know manager takes over players start playing better and, and they go on a bit of a run of form so if they went on a bit of a run of form and they managed to get uh closer to out of the relegation zone and then maybe try to get something together there's a chance but I still think it would be very close and uh, to be honest I, I still think they're they haven't got the squad but I think when they if they do go down then uh, Dean Smith might be able to bring them up and do what no other Norwich manager manages to do at the moment and keep them up. I think maybe in two seasons' time, if he brings them down, if they go back down, then he could bring them back up. Because that's what he did at, um, at Villa. You know, he managed to get them into a solid position in the Premier League, which is a very hard thing to do. Um, and it's a skill that I think um, he, would, he might be able to pull off at Norwich. Yeah. The thing is with Dean Smith as well is I don't think he has an, an ideology or like a philosophy of how he wants to play. He sort of... <laughs> a man manager, but he is a really good man manager at that. And he'll look at the players that he has available and see how he can get the best out of them. So, for example, Billy Gilmore is on loan at Norwich, but he's not really been used under Farker. So I think he could see some quality in him and, you know, get him into the starting lineup because I think he's a real talent. Yeah, I would like to see Billy Gilmore definitely um, uh, definitely in there at the moment. Uh, but I... Uh... And and even um, next season, a player like Billy Gilmore in the Championship, I would like to see him in there so he could try and develop because I think that's an important, that's a, that's quite an important part for a lot of players. They've got sort of a lone a lone spell at a, a, a Championship team and and getting a lot of game time in and, and feeling how then then you come up and you feel a lot more confident because it, it feels like he's, he he has got a lot of quality, but and it feels unfair that he can't get in that um in that starting eleven for for Norwich at the moment because uh what well, I mean under under Farg because they don't have a lot of quality in the midfield and I think he'd be he'd be really useful. Yeah, I think for player development as well, Chelsea fans will just be praying that he can get in. I think that's why they were so keen. Actually, I think they were a bit split for Frank to come in because they didn't think it was a great job for him to take, but they wanted to see what he could do with the likes of Billy Gilmore, you know, yeah. help him develop as a player because he did start to get more game time towards the end of Frank's tenure at Chelsea. So that'll be interesting. But obviously they did get their first win. So hopefully that's something to build and bounce back from. Um, <laughs> new manager. Yeah. But um, a- I mean, they've got all their um, all their results in the last five games. Um, last five games, they got a win and two draws, two losses. So it does feel like maybe they're making a bit of a a bit a bit of an effort to come in here, maybe with, with a positive stint at the first few uh, first few months or month or so of of uh, Dean Smith, then they could they could get a few results together and actually look a better team. But I just think there's such a curse around Norwich uh, with not being able to stay out. But I just, I just I can't even imagine it happening. Yeah, I I think if if Fark had stayed in charge as well, they would have struggled to hit the ten point mark, which is the lowest total of any team in the in the history mm, of the Premier yeah. League. I think that they could have easily got eight or nine points this season because. I just haven't really seen. I guess this game, but apart from this, you know, and the two draws, which were what nil nil. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So 
it's just really not that promising at all. But who knows? Who knows what Dean Smith can do? You always get these sort of situations where a team is dead and buried and then they get a, a new manager bounce, build some momentum. Um, so you never know. And it's a really poor result for Brentford, actually, who I think have all taken us by surprise. You know, they've been yeah, definitely. So impressive this season. There, there have been. I mean, we were on the end of a, of a loss from Brentford. Which was, um, which was which was tough, but yeah. but now Brentford, I'm looking at four losses in a row, um, and that's going to be disappointing for them after a great start. But I, I suppose that was always going to happen, and it's about bouncing back from from a bit of a poor run of form because they're still in 14th, they're still on 12 points, they're still um, doing well for themselves. But uh, they need to just they need to get um, a turnaround, which will be difficult to do, but um, it's important. Yeah, I think. And Baymo and Tony are going through a bit of a rough, rough patch at, up top. Mm. Um, Tony's not scoring as many goals as he w- was able to in the championship so far, but there's no doubt he's a great target man and he can lead the line really well. And he is their talisman at the end of the day. So I expect him to get more goals as the season goes on. But Yeah, no, definitely. and Because uh, he, he, he can, and, and we've seen it, he can get goals in the Premier League, um, which is uh, a rare... A rare thing for for, for strikers very difficult to do. So if he needs to get back on that and um and uh, and keep helping the forward, and he's such a nuisance in the air as well. You wouldn't have thought he's only five ten or five eleven, but he was really yeah. really challenging um, Van Dyke in the air. I honestly thought before I looked it up, I thought he was six three, six six mm. four even. You know, he looks huge on. Maybe it's the hairstyle. I don't know, but he looks huge on the pitch and. Um, I think their goalie injury might be having a bit of an impact because David Rea is now out for five five to six months and his deputy hasn't looked too convincing. And there's no doubt he's not as good with his distribution and as a shot stopper. I remember a, a double save Rea did against Liverpool um, and Diogo Jota, which was just phenomenal. It might even win save of the season. So, yeah, I think that could have an impact too. Any other Brentford players that have caught your eye? or mm, Not too much. I, I do like the looks of, uh, of Jensen. Um, and I just, I like the style they play. Uh, you know, it reminds me of, it reminded me of when uh, Leeds uh, came up yeah. last season. They sort of took, the, which is very difficult for a club to do coming up in the championship, as we see with Norwich so often. Um, it's just coming into the Premier League with some confidence and with some and with some football um, and playing and and playing up with people and and, and really trying to go go at games and so I I, I really enjoyed seeing that and um, I've seen people say how much of a um, of a benefit to the Premier League that they, they they are because they're they're just they're a good team to watch so I I I'm hoping they're going to continue on a decent um, decent start I mean I hope they're going to turn around this run of form because I do I do like the look of it. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I hope they can continue this on because they've been a breath of fresh air this this season. So let's move on to the next game. Chelsea-Burnley finished one all. Quite a surprising result, I think. Don't know if anyone would have predicted this and Burnley could have even nicked it at the end with a a lob. What did you make of this game? Uh, I thought it was interesting. I mean, I was happy to see Chelsea not get uh, a result because they've been absolutely flying. Um, and but it it's it felt like a very Burnley sort of a sort of a game. Um, Vidra scoring and uh, and, and just playing solid because I thought Burnley haven't quite uh, are struggling this season as we've seen. But um, if they still feel always like a team that can grind out results and 
and just about squeeze squeeze through despite not having the the players on the time despite not having the the um budget some of the time because they they they've been they've been solid uh and i but i don't think this is much of a of a blip for chelsea i think um this was a small small result from them that they'll struggle that they'll um come back with to, uh in the next few weeks to be honest yeah at the end of the day it's still a point and Chelsea have shown, as you said, that they've been so efficient this season. Uh, I've been really impressed with Tuchel tactically as well. And Barkley was a surprise starter in this game, but it's just Tuchel showing to you know the board that he can make good use out of this squad, out of players that previous managers weren't getting the best out of. And you look at Reese James as well. I think he's been awesome this season, but he's also so versatile. I think he makes a great right centre back and a three back as well as a right wing back. You know, he's got a wicked ball delivery that that assist was literally right on the head of Kai Havertz he couldn't have missed even if he wanted to yeah uh, his his curves that he, that he puts on his whips from the from the right side have been have been very impressive and um English right backs at the moment I don't know what to I don't know what to say uh they're fine yeah it's ridiculous uh, I have no idea what Gareth's going to do in the summer but currently I actually put him ahead of Trent I know I probably would say Trent is the better player, but just for the way Liverpool play, he suits them so well. But I think James is more of a, a balanced wing back and he's just so versatile and I don't see any weaknesses to his game. He's really improved in his defending. Just yeah, his defending and his, and his physicality he's managed to, to use a bit more. Um, and and that final ball, he's, he's getting up to the standards that, um, that Trent used to be on, uh, on his own at. The, the crosses that he was putting in. But now Reese James shows that he can do it too, getting up that right hand side. So at the moment he is he is also ahead of um he is ahead of Alex, uh, Arnold for me. But I also think the Walker's right right in there with him. So it's it's gonna be a tough one um in the summer. Yeah I think those Walker and James we could easily see them rotate between the right centre back and right wing back roles because they can both yeah. play both of them pretty well, which is quite an interesting thing. I don't think there's many other countries out there who can have a right centre-back and a right wing-back who can both play such <clears> so <throat> well in both positions. Mm. And yeah, and the way Tuchel talks about James and Chilwell actually is he treats his wing-backs as more midfielders rather than defenders, which just shows you how good they are going forward, considering they are primary defenders at the end of the day. And I think he's actually got a good wing-back partnership with Chile because you've got to develop it so that, you know, one one's crossing it in and the other's making the late run into the back post. There's a reason that they've got, what, seven goals already this season between them, which is obscene yeah. for wing-back. So, yeah, yeah I'm really excited yeah, to James. see how that progresses. Bruce James has got into my fantasy team. He had to. <laughs> he's, uh, he's playing too well at the moment. Yeah, he's been, he's been nuts, really. Um, Mason Mount had a late cameo off the bench due to uh, wisdom teeth surgery. I don't know if you've seen videos over social media of him after his treatment, but yeah, if you haven't if you haven't seen that, go check that out. That's, that's a good one. But yeah, um, Burnley classic Burnley performance really. Um, I don't think Tuchel could be saying that Burnley didn't deserve a point because I think he knew exactly how they were going to set up and. I think this just happens to the best of managers, even, you know, it's happened to Liverpool, it's happened to City before. It's just a classic Burnley result. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next game, which is Palace Wolves. 2-0 to Palace. Great, great victory for them. And they've been so impressive this season under Patrick Vieira. What have you made of their start? 
I have been very impressed, especially recently. Um, how 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 they've done how they've done under him. I think he's. It feels like Zaha's back to um, some of his best football. Conor Gallagher playing um, playing brilliantly. Uh, good to see him. Good to see him breaking into the um, to the England team as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they've been they've just been super impressive. Uh, it's really really solid in their in their four three three. And um, I've just yeah I've been impressed by them and and a bit of a turnaround from uh, not an awful last season, but definitely not one as uh, such a strong start. Um, I mean, they're sitting in, I think, 10th is it at the moment? Uh, so, yeah, sitting in 10th for the moment, five games unbeaten. Uh, just, just yeah, playing playing some impressive football in that in that mid-table, which is just fiercely competitive at the moment. I mean, outside of the top, um, top eight, there's just so many good teams that are desperate to fill up that, um, that middle-of-the-table position with, you know, teams like Leeds and Leicester and Everton all below them um, and Southampton and, and, and Villa. And so I think they're, they're just trying to make a claim for that, for that uh, middle of the table position, which is very competitive these last, these last four seasons. Yeah, considering they've already played five of the top six, you know, excluding United, but United haven't been that good either. So you never know what's going to happen there. But they've already played those five and they're still doing pretty well. You know, I, as, as you said, Gallagher's been such a talented prospect this season. I really like how he plays when Milivojevic isn't in the team actually, because I feel he has more freedom to make those late runs into the box. And he also gets set pieces as well, which he's awesome on. And um, there's more of a balance as well, since MacArthur can hold. And yeah, I think he just works really well in that team. And they're going to try and look to make bring him in permanently, I'm sure. But I think Chelsea will want to keep what is a, a great youth talent. And he could end up going to the World Cup squad. I think it could be a bit tight, but he's got the potential to. No, that would be a difficult uh, one to crack, but yeah, you never know. Just yeah. feel like Chelsea are putting out a lot of these um, no young talents at the moment. Very impressive. Yeah, precisely. And got to give credit to Wolves as well, because I think Bruno Large has come in and done a good job with them, you know. Um, he's playing a much more expansive style of football than they did under Nuno, and I think the fans appreciate that. Um, but yeah. I yeah, think... great result. I mean, I'm, we've got Wolves on the on the weekend, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm nervous. Right, Wolves are a good team, and uh, they've been they've been playing well this season. So it's really really good result from Chris Palace. Yeah, Huang Hee Chan and Jimenez combining seems like a, a Jimenez and Jota partnership of old. You know, big man, little man sort of <laughs> system. Um, but yeah, I think it's working really well. It's really fluid. Just the only thing I'm not too keen on is Nelson Semedo actually at that right wing back position I really don't rate him um I think he's quite suspect defensively and whenever he shoots he's you know it's with no conviction really and no composure so I'd like to see Kiana Hoover start who's they signed him actually from Liverpool he's a, a youngster and he just looks really solid and I think it'll add some more competition to the team and yeah, yeah. and I think also Adama Traore is not even starting at the moment. There were rumours of bids for him in the summer and I wouldn't be surprised if he was to move on because I don't think Bruno Lage can really trust him in terms of his end product, even though he is a world beater on his day. What do you make yeah, of that? Uh, yeah, no, he is he's a world beater. I've, I've seen, certainly seen him um, beat up West Ham a couple of times. But I think uh, they just... I think they could do more with the, the money they get from him because I think because of that standard he sometimes puts up, he can go for a decent price tag to a, to a big club and they could potentially fill in some other gaps um, with that. 
and there's just no point of him, him staying on the bench because in, in this in this Wolves team now, this feels like a different kind of system where they're not relying on him so much, and so he just isn't as um, isn't necessary. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see him go to a top tier team like a Liverpool and see what maybe Jurgen Klopp could do with a, a player mm-hmm. like that because he has yeah. he has all the attributes. It's just that end product in. I don't know if finishing is something you can teach, but if he was going to get taught it by someone, I think Jurgen Jurgen Klopp and his his management team could. Yeah, it does feel like that's a um, the sort of transfer that Liverpool likes to make. Uh, a sort of a, a mid-table, very very solid player that that they see where they can make a superstar out of him. The sort of stuff they done with Jota. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think going back to Palace, actually, they've got a really exciting prospect themselves in Michael Elise. He's still not made too many starts yet, but whenever he has the ball, he just seems electric. He's like a winger cutting in off that right. He's left-footed. And yeah, I think he could be a real talent for them. He seems quite similar to Eze as well, who should be coming back from injury sometime soon. And they just have a really electric, explosive attack on the horizon who are all quite young as well, all surrounding Ben Teke, who... Yeah, <laughs> Uh, yeah, seeing Zaha and Eze link us has been has been exciting. Yeah, for sure. He's back. He's back as soon as possible. As as an Arsenal fan as well, I'm so happy to see Vieira doing well, and I wish him the best for the rest of the season. I think we'll look into more of their games because they're an entertaining team to watch. Yeah, so yeah. next up was the Brighton Newcastle five thirty kickoff, which I actually went to the stadium for. Um, it was a it was a great game. Yeah, the Newcastle fans were insane. Fair play when they scored, it looked like they'd won the league. It was it was hilarious to be honest. But um, watching it, I thought live lively Lamptey down the right was great to watch. What do you make of him? He yeah, he's he, he's a great player. Um, I think Brian have done really well with him, and it does feel uh, he's the kind of player that Brian um a shining with at the moment. And this and it, this feels like this new look uh Bryson that's been going on the last sort of um, end of the last season and particularly the start of this season he's a big part of that um and and it's been it's been really good it's been really good to see because he's he's flying on that wing and um he's just part of this a bit of a younger a bit of a faster um Brian Brian team than I'm used to watching certainly uh because I'm, I'm I'm from Brian like uh you so I've seen a lot of their games but I remember um you, you used to see Brighton they were just a bit static and they were a bit um they're a bit they were solid always but you felt like they didn't have much going forward, but he's part of that new new look, bit of speed, bit of down the wing, and I think he's he's really what they need at the moment, and he's been doing really well. Yeah, I'm really excited for what he has in store for the rest of his career, but I just feel he's a bit injury prone. You know, I think he needs to put on a bit of strength, have some strength and conditioning sessions at the gym. You know, try and build something on because he's just he just seems a bit too fragile. Um, but I've been impressed with his wing back counterpart, Mark Cucurella who's come in this transfer window and leading up to this, I thought he's been superb this season, but this game, I thought he had quite an average game and the fans were getting a bit frustrated with him at times. He was just taking too many touches around the box and his decision-making seemed off, but I think for the rest of the season, he should be fine. Um, And then you've also got Sanchez, who obviously got sent off in this game. Um, it, it, It didn't get, get a red card they didn't get a red card originally but the ma- the referee came back after a VAR decision and sent him off but as soon as he made the challenge you just knew 
it was going to be overturned by VAR. So that was quite funny to watch as a as a as a neutral. I guess I support Brighton more than Newcastle, but I was kind of there as a neutral fan. Um, yeah, I I just don't think even before he got sent off, his his performance was shaky at best. You know, I think he's very overrated as a goalie, and I don't I just don't think he's good enough to be honest. Like, he's not that good with his feet. Um, Brighton set up in a way where he doesn't need to make that many saves, like a like a top tier club almost. They restrict the shot volume, but they're still conceding, and his xG prevented stat is negative. So that's where based on the quality of shots he's facing how many he's expected to save is less than what he actually is. So, so he's, yeah, underperforming and he's just not been up to standards, really. No, and especially for a Brian team that's doing well at the moment, um, you need a strong goalkeeper to, 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 carry, to help carry a team a little bit. And, yeah, he has been a bit disappointing. He was also on my fantasy team um, with that red yeah. card, which was... Uh, which he's was in mine as well. <laughs> Um, well, I've I've transferred him out and I've brought in um, uh, Guata, uh, Palace keeper, who I think is going to provide a bit more um, consistency with hopefully Palace doing uh, doing better on, on this season. Yeah, Palace have been very solid defensively, so not a bad move at all. Um, in terms of the Brighton game again, Lilana I thought was was great at progressing the ball and dictating the play. I think that he's actually a really similar player to Thiago at Liverpool. Obviously, just a bit older now and probably not to the same quality, but the way he operates in that midfield is really useful to Brighton. I think a lot of their fans appreciate what he'll do. And I think he's also taking on a coaching role. So, you know, fair play to him for getting involved with the club. And I think they've got a really solid managerial team there. And, you know, the higher ups also really involved. I just think it's a really well run football club. So Yeah, no, definitely. And uh and Potter's definitely getting the best out of um, a lot of them at the moment but that is great to see about Alana because it just feel like he was going to be one of those sort of token English midfielders that gets lost into the uh, into the history books um, but no thankfully he's come back and he's and he's been very impressive Precisely yeah completely agree with that and uh, I'm not sure we can look too much into this Newcastle performance because obviously it was with the interim manager and mm. they didn't really have any momentum so I think they were lucky to get a point though and the only reason they got them was because Brighton just weren't up to usual standards. But we'll talk about Eddie Howe later and how we think he's going to, you know, bring bring this team back and hopefully avoid relegation. So next we'll talk about the Arsenal game where we beat Watford 1-0. Smith-Rowe with yet another goal, low shot volume, high conversion rate this season. And he's really starting to add to his end product. He's actually my favourite player at Arsenal. And I've I decided to get his name on the back of my shirt this season. So yeah, I wear that wear that for every game. And uh, I think he's actually still got such a high ceiling, considering he's still only twenty one. Um, I think he has the potential to, you know, I really hope he makes it into this next World Cup squad. I think it will be a tough ask, but unpopular opinion, maybe a bit of a hot take. I think he has a higher ceiling than the likes of Mason Mount, who might have. You know, he's been flatlining in recent recent weeks and recent months. But, yeah, I think he has the potential to be a better player. Mason Mount's probably shown more, more consistency up until now. But I just think he's such an intelligent footballer, Emil Smith-Rowe, and I'm really excited to see what, what he does next. No, so am I. Um, he's, he's getting into a very competitive um, 
England lineup, and I think that is a hot take. I wouldn't personally subscribe to it. I think um, not only is Mason Mount uh, being more consistent, but I think there have been times where his quality has shown. Um, and if even if those bits where his, his quality was at the top of his game, you know, when Chelsea were winning the Champions League and, and he was on top of his game, even those just those moments, if he can get to a more consistent um, standard of that, then he's he'll be a uh, be a top quality player that I think Smith Rowe would be would uh, struggle to get near, but uh, I think he, he Smith Rowe maybe has the potential to be better than that, but it's whether he can live up to that. But no, Smith Rowe's been playing brilliantly, and uh, he I brought him in in my fantasy as well, brought, put him in as captain against Norwich against Norwich against um against Watford, and it was uh, turned out to be a good decision. So he has he has been very impressive, and it it just it looked like a very um another comfortable Arsenal result. Felt like um, I'm talking about the City game again because Arsenal looked comfortable. They looked um, confident. They could have scored more, um, but they didn't really feel like they needed to because they felt quite solid. Um, so yeah, it was impressive. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Apart from the the Mount over Smith throw, but I mean we're always going to agree about that. I just think he's such an intelligent footballer, and on the ball, he's got to be one up there with one of the best in the Premier League. You know, I think he's just got such a unique skill set and. I think he could be, you know, just he has the potential to be. I'm not saying he's definitely going to be, but the trajectory he's on at the moment makes me think he is going to be a world-class player at some point. So you've also got Ramsdale, who I think was an awesome signing this season. He's been he's had a great start to see uh, to season for Arsenal. And I'd say he's in like a similar mould of keeper to the likes of Edison. Obviously not at the same level yet, but Pep and Arteta share similar ideologies and philosophies of how they want to play out from the back, especially with a goalkeeper. And his distribution has gone under the radar. Obviously, there was that insane free kick save against Madison, uh, the King Power, but his distribution has been just as good, if not better for me. And I think it just proves uh, Bernd Leno's limitations. And only now have we really seen how limited he is as a goalkeeper in terms of build-up play, because before... Everyone thought he was, you know, a standard keeper, good shot stopper. But I think Ramsdale shows to us what we've been missing for the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Being able to play out from the back um, is is a great is a, is a great virtue, and um, it looks like Arteta is really trying to build that mindset in, bringing uh, players like like Ben White, who um, although has been has has been mixed the start of the season, I think he's been getting into it, and I think that he. Uh, he will prove to be it to be a good signing, and um, with a with a great midfield, great young midfield that Arsenal are looking at at the moment. Um, uh, my only my only uh, worry concern about them would be what they're going to do with the forwards. Um, once Aubameyang and Lacazette start to drop off a bit, it feels like they don't really have much of a uh, 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 succession plan. Maybe of Nketiah coming in, but is he really going to have the quality? And maybe Martinelli, but I don't think either of them really have the quality that um, that they need going forward. So they might have to address that. Um, quite soon if they want to be a consistent top club. Yeah, so I think Lacazette's contract is running out at the end of the season, so we could see him move on in January, maybe for a small fee or sign a pre-contract agreement with another club. Um, But I think that striker role is the role that we're next looking to upgrade. I think apart from that, our team seems pretty ready and Aubameyang's ageing, he is, but he's been such a good captain to us and I think he's actually, last few games, he's pressed really well and dismissed any rumours of a fallout with Mikel Arteta, which were starting to emerge after the few losses at the start of the season. Um, Coming back to your point on Ben White, yeah, he has come under a lot of scrutiny and I think 
Some of it was a bit unfair at the start of the season. You know, after the first game, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher did a five-minute piece talking about how he was too weak in the air. But I think he's really improved on this aerial weakness or supposed weakness. And I think he's quite solid now, you know. In the North London derby, for example, he got the better of Kane and a lot of aerial duels, and he's one of the best in the air in the country. So it just shows that I think he's already making good progress and as a spine, White and Gabrielle are a really good partnership and we've already kept quite a few clean sheets this season. Yeah, a lot of clean sheets. I do, I do agree that some of the scrutiny um, Ben White came under was was it was unfair. You know, it's not his fault that his price tag was so, was, was so big. It just felt like he already had so much pressure going into the, um, into the season and the fact that he's managed to now get um, get past that and, and deal with that and, and get involved in a very strong um, Arsenal back line, I think, has, has been really impressive. Yeah, and he was. It was after he had to deal with Ivan Tony, who even Virgil Van Dijk struggled against at the Brentford Community Stadium this season. So, you know, I don't think it was the worst thing in the world. Um, but one weakness I think we do have is, you know, we tend to start matches really well, but our lack of experience, perhaps, and game sense. You know, we've got White, Gabriel, Ramsdale, Smithrow, Saka. They're all really talented, youthful players, but none of them have the experience really to. You know, if, if we're playing a, a team and they start to build pressure on us, we'll sit back instead of pushing on them and trying to bring the game to them. And that can, you know, create some sticky situations towards the back end of games. But I think this group of players is actually a really special group and it's the probably the best I've seen under Arsenal since I've started supporting them um, back in 2008. Or where I genuinely think we have the best, the most talented team that we possibly could. And I just think they need to develop some more game sense for us to actually see them progress, you know? Yeah, and I think they just need to build that experience more. And I think that uh, that experience will come at Arteta as well, because he's still a relatively um, new manager getting into the getting into the, the feelings. And I think um, that experience of how to close out a game will come with time for him as well as with the players. So I feel like he can he can grow up and, and, and mould and develop alongside the players and he could get a really strong... Um, Arsenal team going forward. Yeah, and he's definitely still got the dressing room still on board. There was he was coming under a lot of scrutiny after a couple of results, you know, against Chelsea and City and stuff. But I think he's really shown progress, and I think his recruitment has been so clever as well. I mean, I could talk all day about Albert Sambi, Laconga, Nuno Tavares, all these sorts of players. You know, even Thomas Partey recruiting him from a a title winning Atletico Madrid team. He, he's no fool. He's not going to come here unless he actually sees the project that Arteta is building and, you know, the classic saying, trust the process. But I think the players are actually starting to trust the process, which is great to see. Um, another piece in here, I think we've got a new Arsenal set-piece coach who is called Nicholas Yova. He's ex-Man City. I think you should watch out for him. Roughly 10% of our goals last season came from set-pieces. And already this season, we've got that up to about 46%, um, which is you know a great improvement already. And he's considered by many as one of the best set-piece coach, set coaches in the world, um, putting in incredibly detailed analysis. And I mean, it's proven dividends so far. I've seen stuff about he's got like a, a group of other set-piece coaches and they sit and just talk about one corner tactic for over an hour in like a Zoom call sometimes. So... You know, he's a really fascinating coach. I think he's adding a different dimension to our play this season. Yeah, that sounds interesting. And it, and it touches back on what we were talking about earlier with um, 
some of these uh, these big teams and having a, a modern tactical uh, genius, or, or not just the manager, but behind the whole squad. And um, if if Arteta can develop into that and get um, bring Arsenal along with him, it feels like they could um, they could they could fight back into that top four top four spot that they've been missing from a while and try and leave Man United behind, maybe who uh, are struggling to get that modern. Um, modern manager, which I think you, you need in the Premier League at the moment if you really want to get in top, the top four consistently. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, on the game, actually, Ranieri was quite upset with us post-match because we didn't kick the ball back for when we went on to score the goal. Yes, um, yes. And I have a couple critiques for that. So firstly, the attack actually started from our own half where one of the players went down. So it wasn't as if we were through on goal and one of his players went down, you know. They had the whole play to defend and deal with it and secondly I like the fact that we scored a goal like this after seeing for years our team be criticised for being weak and we've famously been labelled a bunch of son-in-laws by like Carragher and Neville so I think it shows our, our fight to succeed and win which is desperately needed you know if if like a City or a Chelsea had done this I don't think anyone would have battered an eyelid but I think because of our reputation we've maybe received a bit more heat than maybe another team would have. Mm. Yeah, no, it's 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 good to see. It's, it's good to see a bit of grit and a bit of um taking taking the games with them and then winning a winning no matter what because you 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 definitely need that if you want to um be a consistent consistent club. Exactly, and yeah, Foster had a great game. Obviously, saved that penalty, and I thought Maitland Niles came in and did a great job to deputise for Party, who I think is so underrated as well. Like arguably our most important cog in the whole team, you know. He ticks the whole team over and he's so important to, to our team. Um, but yeah, from now, I th- we've got a game on the weekend, but I've not got too high hopes for that. It's just about building and seeing if we can maybe push for top four. I think that's the ultimate ultimate goal for this season. But yeah, I'm really excited with where it's going to go. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, tough game this week. Yeah. So let's, let's look at the next game, which is Everton Spurs. It was a bit of a, a, a dullard game, nil-nil it finished in Conte's first game as a Spurs coach. Um, I think he's still going to need a bit more time to implement his style, you know, whether whether it's a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2, because I think we're pretty sure it will be a three-at-the-back system. Um, and he's not really had any time yet to develop with these players because he hasn't had any... You know, usually he'll get like a pre-season, a, a one- or two-month period where he can ingrain these tactics into the players but they've been on international break or they've had two games in a week so they haven't really had any days off to you know try and work on this but how do you think he's gonna fit in this Spurs setup? I think um, I think it will be successful to an extent I don't think he'll be as successful as he seems to to often be because I just don't think Spurs have um, the squad in some ways to to help him do that I just don't think their defence and parts of their midfield are strong enough. I think they might have one of the best front threes in the league. And I think um, Harry Kane might be the best striker in the world. But I just, I don't think Conte can really do his, do his thing without a, a strong, a strong three at the back that he can, he can really get hold of and, uh, and, a, and a good enough midfield. So I think he'll be, he might look towards top eight maybe rather than top four or top six i just don't really see um those those two happening now next season when he gets um a stronger grip of the squad and maybe brings in a few players then then it could be much more of an interesting uh conversation but at the moment i just don't see i don't see the spurs team 
um, kicking off that huge, hugely from Conte, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I think it will take them some time and he's still got to work out where he's going to play Kane and Son. I remember him talking at the Euros when he was a pundit, actually, that um, he wants to play Kane close to goal. Um, and, you know, in that penalty box, basically just a poacher, whereas other managers in previous years have got him to start dropping deep and play balls in behind. But I think that's just because of, you know, his bow, his bows of talent. You know, he's just got so many different avenues he can go down in terms of creating, attacking. So I don't know. I think his mindset's a bit off at the moment, which is why he's only managed one goal in the league so far. But I wouldn't describe him as washed yet. But I think no. this is... An important chance for him, you know, under an elite coach, if he's still not showing any ambition, then he's not really got any excuses now. Yeah, and I think if he, if he isn't showing any uh, ambition, then it doesn't feel as much point of him staying at Spurs, to be honest, mm-hmm. because he, if if he's not going to push on with um, a brilliant manager, then he's not going to be able to push on with the squad in any state. So it feels like this is... Um, this is Conte's last chance for Spurs to get the best out of Kane and to, to get him a title that I think he deserves. So um, hopefully that 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 happens because I'm a big fan of Kane. But um, I just I'm not sure how likely it is. Yeah, and I'm I'm a bit worried about Son actually under Conte because from what I've seen he's not actually pressed too much in the first couple of games. Which I'm not sure if this is tactically like from Conte's own requests, but. By the looks of things, Kane and Lucas are working a lot harder than him and he's been subbed off both games, which doesn't usually happen to a player of his calibre because we all know how impactful he can be on the game. Um, then they've also got the wing-backs, which are notoriously Conte's <clears throat> most important part of the team and they've looked so attacking. So we should expect some sort of output from them, from Regulon and Emerson Royale. But Regulon had a bad miss in the Everton game, actually, so... I'm not sure how impactful he um, Conte can be with these wing backs. We'll have to see. I think they're still a way in progress. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think alongside those wing backs, that back three, I just don't think it's it's strong enough to for Conte to really be as um as ambitious as he maybe wants to. I think their um their midfield could could hold up. I think Hoyberg and Skip might just do a job that, that Conte needs and it might be good enough. And I think their front three is definitely good enough. So I think the problem will be that, that back five and those, and those wing backs. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think he's he's definitely been promised money. There's no way he's taking the Spurs job with no money because that squad's just not good enough for a Conte team. And I think he'll be looking at some signings for like with the likes of Ericsson. You know, obviously he had that really sad moment at the Euros, but there's actually a rule in Serie A, meaning people with his heart condition in condition can't can't play in the league anymore. So Inter will have to let him go in January and I think they'll be quite keen to let him find a new club and Conte was able to get a lot out of him at Inter actually. So this could be like a match made in heaven, you know, Ericsson back to Spurs type of thing, but we'll yeah, have to Yeah, you'd hope so. That would be um, very much cool. Yeah, and um, I think Ali and Endombele are both interesting too because they're both, you know, really creative. We both know how talented they can be as footballers. Um, but we're just not sure about their mindset, really. So yeah, I would I would love to see a manager get hold of um of Dele Alley. I remember watching a an interview where um Ferguson's talking and he's talking about some of the players he wished to have managed, and he said, you know, I really saw a lot of Dele Alley. I don't know what happened there, and I think that is that's very true. And I really want to 
see a manager get hold of him um, and get him back to to the ceiling, which I think he might have been able to have. I don't think he'll ever be the player that he could have been, but I think he could still be um, a talent. I don't think he'll really be able to get back in the England score consistently, but I think he could still be, um, be a talent. I wouldn't want to see another token English midfielder um, lost to, to, to that. Yeah, Mourinho was even said um, when he was Man United manager, Sir Alex Ferguson gave him three words in three years when he was there by Deli Alley. That was all he said to him. So yeah. I think that speaks volumes, as you said, about how 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 much talent this guy has, but we just haven't seen it recently. And I'm hoping that Conte can, even as an Arsenal fan, I just want to see, you know, great, great talented footballers from an English point of view as well, just to see Deli Alley back into the fold would be would be great. Um, and in terms of Everton. Without DCL, they just look a bit mediocre to me. Rondon, Rondon's just not the same. And uh, apart from that, Damari Gray's impressed me. Great signing for two million, but the rest of the team's quite quite boring, to be honest. Um, just Townsend's for... impressed me as well. Think, yeah, um, Townsend as well. Uh, but yeah, not. It, it's it's a it's a good squad. So uh, I'll be interested to see. And I think they're always going to be a good. Um, a good team, but I think they'll be fighting for the sorts of spots that uh, I was talking about earlier with Crystal Palace, those sort of mid-table, um, those mid-table positions where it's been very competitive, but I don't see them pushing um, much beyond that. I think it'll be, a, it'll be Brighton, Wolves, Palace, Everton, Leicester. That's, um, I think Leicester can push on from that, but we'll see how they do. Um, but those sorts of teams fighting for, the, for, that, for that sort of 10th to 8th to 12th spot or something. Um uh, and I think they'll be, they'll be part of that. And I, I, I'm not sure I can see them pushing much um, beyond that. Yeah, uh, I can't, can't, can't disagree with that. Um, let's let's move on to the next game. So Leeds played Leicester, finished one all actually. <clears throat> I'm not sure Brendan Rodgers knows what his best team is. Um, he's got three great strikers in Vardy, Ian Acho and Patson Dacca, but I don't think he has a system where he can fit all three of them in. So one of them is always going to have to warm the bench. And sometimes it's even two with Yushi Vardy leading the line. Um, what do you think is their best attack? You know, throw in Barnes as well, Madison, Iosi Perez. Uh, Lookman. Um, Lookman. I, 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 I slightly miss the Vardy-Ianacho combination, to be honest. I thought that, um, that, that, I thought that had the the potential to be to be good and i think they've gone back to a they've gone back to a front three and it's it doesn't feel like they've quite got um i think Vardy needs to be in there um and i think barnes is playing really well as well and i think he's 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 just a consistent player and i think it's just about that that final spot and who's who's fighting for it i think i i like i like Perez a lot and i think he gets there in there a lot um as well as inacho i think they 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 played lukeman um against against leeds which and I think he's a very good player, but I'm not sure how, how much he's really doing for this Leicester squad at the moment. Um, so it's it, it's a very difficult one. That 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 attack is um, it definitely doesn't pick itself. Um, unlike the midfield, the defensive midfield do a little bit more with, with sort of Telemans and, and Didi just being such uh, consistent players in the, in the in the team sheet, and then the defense often picking itself. It feels like they just need to clean up what they're doing with that front three or front two or however they end it, and then they'll be able to make a more consistent um, run. Yeah, like you, I really like that Vardy and Nacho partnership, especially towards the end of last season. I thought mm-hmm. that was really fruitful and they were getting a lot out of it. 
Um, but I also really rate Patson Dacker as a player, and I don't think he gets enough game time. So it's a really tough juggling act that Rogers has to manage. You know, Dacker was signed as a long-term replacement for Vardy, but even in the short term, he looks ready and he's one to watch it for sure. I think he's a, a really exciting prospect. Um, but with Rogers, you know, I'm not not too keen on his recruitment. Obviously, we spoke about earlier how he was touted for the United job. I'm just a bit unsure how he'll fit in. Um, you look at the likes of Patson Dacker, Tielemans, Castagna, James Justin. These were all signings made by Leicester's recruitment themselves. And then players requested by Brendan Rodgers are the likes of Izzy Perez and Yannick Vestergaard, who just don't seem on the on the same level as these other purchases. So even uh, you can go back to his time at Liverpool and you could say argue that they invested the money quite poorly in the likes of Benteke for 30 million to replace Suarez and, you know, Mario Balotelli even it was it was just really not not too great so I think that's his main limitation but tactically I think he can you know get the best out of out of his out of his systems yeah it's just whether he can um work out who to who to um play play in the forward role exactly. he, yeah I, I I wouldn't have liked to see him at uh, Man United. I still won't if he if he does because it's a lot of debate if he um him being um in contestant for that job because I think if he did end up at Man United he would have to be be given a lot more time than a player like other player a manager like David Moyes was um because I think they would do a similar job in, in trying to get the squad together but David Moyes wasn't given a lot of time and I think so he would need to they would need to show a lot of faith in him and time and um and he and he wouldn't be uh a tactical he wouldn't have a modern uh, I suppose he would be a modern, modern manager in some sense but not in the way um that. Uh, you know, a Pep or, or 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 a Klopp is. I don't think he would change the the dynamic quite like that. I think he would um, be be a different kind of uh, kind of experience. And I just I, I don't I don't think Man United want that at the moment. I think what Man United need is a is is something a bit different, something a bit new. But if they did go for someone like Brendan Rodgers, they would need to to back certainly back him with time. There's no point of bringing him in, and if he doesn't do well after a season, taking him out because that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, but I back that view as well. Um, and the other team, obviously, they've got Marcelo Bielsa's leads in, in here. They're injury-stricken at the moment. Um, so it just feels like a quite a mediocre team. And then they've got a superstar in Rafinha who's just carrying them through games at the moment. He's just so good to watch. And I think it this poor run of form recently actually shows how much they've missed Bamford. And without, without Bamford and Rafinha, I reckon they could be involved in a relegation scrap, the rest of their team. I guess you could throw Calvin Phillips in there as well because their win rate without him is something like 18%, which is abysmal. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the rest yeah, of their, t- yeah. their squad is not great. And I'm a bit worried for them at times, but I'm, I doubt they'll get relegated. No, but I, I, I do agree. Um it feels like all they need is a couple injuries and they'll be really struggling um, because without, without Phillips, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's recently come back and I've got a friend who's a Leeds fan and I'm watching um, her watching the uh, Phillips playing in the England squad uh, recently. She's just desperate for him not to get injured because they really do struggle without him. Um, and they have been relying a lot on Rafinha. Daniel James hasn't really had the impact that um, I would have liked to have seen. I thought he'd, he'd bring some pace and uh, into the squad, which he has to an extent, but it doesn't, feel like he quite, he quite fits that um that leads dynamic uh but they do definitely miss this Bamford up top there yeah I agree with that yeah I, I would like to see more from Dan James too actually especially for 30 million it's quite a hefty price tag actually yeah yeah and he's had his moments um and I do think that was a bit 
too much because he's had his moments in Man United in a very good squad. Uh, but I still think he could, he could be, uh, he could, if he managed managed well, he could be developed into 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 a good player. He's certainly got some of the um, initial attributes to be a good player. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And now we'll move on to the the final game of the weekend, which I think you've been looking forward to the West Ham three three two win over Liverpool. Where do I start? Do you wanna do you wanna do you wanna get started? Um, it's it feels like a culmination of of a lot of the things we've been doing this season. Um, we certainly didn't dominate the game. Uh, Liverpool played well, uh, but we were just very solid um, with a couple of great set pieces and with Bowen just tearing it up as he's been doing this season. Uh, and I just, I, I mean, it was, it was the fact that I wasn't even hugely surprised at the end of the result. You know, usually if West Ham beat Liverpool, it's a massive shock, but we just felt like we were in the game. It felt like a proper, proper um, top four contest, which it, which it was. And so I was, and I, and I thought actually Liverpool didn't play, didn't play badly. I thought their defence was solid, but we just, uh, there were times where we outplayed them. I mean, they, they, they had the better of some of the stats, but I didn't think that was, that was, um, that was much to do with it. They had a lot more possession for sure, but that's just not really how, how it was to play. And it, it felt like even with their possession, they weren't, they weren't breaking us down hugely well because we were defending so well. And um, despite um, two excellent goals from Liverpool, just amazing goals, uh, that's what they needed to get into the game. They couldn't really break us down in, in, in any other way. And so I just thought it was it was super impressive. And uh, although we we relied on a couple of mistakes from Allison, which were a bit disappointing from a Liverpool standpoint, they uh, I still think we deserved deserved a victory. To be honest, yeah, can't argue with that. I thought Rice and Suchek just dominated that Liverpool midfield actually, and they were just winning so many balls in the park and starting to you know counter attack. Though all the counter attacks that you guys were doing were based off you know, Rice and Suchek dominating in that midfield. But I thought it was a tactically brilliant performance as well from Moyes, you know. The rotations you guys have between the front four and the full-backs in wide areas and then how they counter and threaten, it's just it's so good to watch. And Liverpool are really missing that Wijnaldum role in defensive transition because if Fabinho or Henderson was dragged out, dragged out sorry, um, as the number six, you'd get Wijnaldum who would position himself to fill in for this gap and this hasn't happened as much this season obviously because he's gone gone to PSG um, and this has resulted in more of a leaky defence for Liverpool but take nothing away from West Ham because obviously it was a great performance. No it was but it does feel like um, <clears throat> Liverpool haven't got the the solidity in the midfield that they that they did. Um, they started out at Oxlade-Chamberlain who I think had an okay game but it doesn't uh, and I think he's a good player but it doesn't feel like the solidity that you um, really expect from that Liverpool, Liverpool midfield. But as I said, I think it was uh, it was more of a us having an excellent game. I mean, Glenn Hoddle just said that Declan Rice is the best player in the Premier League, and uh, I think I, in a sense, have little to argue with him. I think uh, maybe certain players have a lot more um, quality in some extent. Just Declan Rice, what he does, and how important he is with this squad, and how. Important is to a squad that's not only um, not only relying on him, but a squad that's doing really well, a squad that's that's in the that's in third place at the moment. So when it, it's not just that he's an excellent player in our squad, but he's actually an excellent player in the league because he's probably the best player in the third best place team in the league. And so I just think his his role just can't be underappreciated. I think he might be one of the best players in the Premier League. I certainly think he might be one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. And um, 
I'm just I'm just super excited about the, this West Ham team. Yeah, I think it's you've got a great season ahead of you. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. I think we should um, get started on some predictions now. So we're gonna try and make some score predictions. Maybe if you've got an idea of, or what you think a game might end up, any goal scorers, you can chuck that in as well. But yeah, let's start with the Saturday kickoff, the half twelve Leicester Chelsea game. What do you expect here? Um, I think uh, Chelsea going to bounce back from a bit of a disappointing uh, draw. I think Leicester are going to struggle to get out of this this slower run of form. Um, and I'm even though it's at the King Power, I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing a Chelsea win, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say three one. I think Chelsea are really going to come back, um, and they're going to sort it out. Eagles going to get them get them back, and I think three one Chelsea. Yeah, I back that opinion. I think Chelsea will bounce back as well. Leicester have looked a bit defensively shaky in recent weeks mm. and Chelsea just looks so efficient at the moment. I, I have them down to win the title and I, I that was my prediction pre-season, but we'll have to see if that will come come true. But for now, I think, yeah, this this seems like a it, it will be a difficult game, don't get me wrong, but I think Chelsea will have too much. I'll give them a 1-0 win. I think it'll be a tight game, but... Yeah. Yeah, I was tempted to give them a one 0 but I uh Go I also think that Leicester decent chance of scoring. Um, yeah. Okay. But then I think that Chelsea are just gonna fight back and I think it's gonna be more than um more than a goal. So we'll see though. Yeah, it'll be interesting because both managers have good tactics. I think Vardy has a good record against the top six as well. So I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if he managed to score or something, but who who starts on there with him. Yeah. Um I'm looking forward to this game tomorrow. Um, then we've got the Villa Brighton game, which is obviously Gerard's first game in charge. I think this could be it's a tough one because I want to back my hometown Brighton, but I think with the new manager bounce, Villa at home, Gerard's first game, everything, I think they could do well too. So I might just go for a bit of a boring one all draw. Um, but yeah, I think both teams will be quite happy with that result. They're quite equal. So I, I would agree. I was gonna say one all as well. Um not two hugely high-scoring teams, but two teams that will be solid, I think. And um, yeah, they'll both they'll both be happy to, to to accept that. I think Brian might be disappointed in a sense because they haven't won the last five games. They've um, after an incredible start of the season, they've been getting a few draws, but I think they just it'll be um, it'll be another one of them. I think. Yeah, um, I think Douglas Louise and another rest the rest of the Aston Miller. Uh, first team midfielders are actually going to miss this game with injuries and stuff. So I think we could see Carney Chukwameka, who's a young talent, start this game. I think he could break in under Stevie Gerrard. And he's Gerrard would have been the sort of role model he would have had growing up as an 18 or 19-year-old now. So, yeah, really excited for what he could potentially bring. Because I think Sanson and um, uh, is out of the game this weekend. So... Yeah, it should be it should be an interesting game. Um, then you've got the Burnley Palace game. Uh, what do you think about this one? Hmm, it's a difficult one. Although Palace have been playing well um, at Turf Moor, I think I might see a draw. Um, feels like a similar game to the to Aston Villa Brighton. You've got the 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 team. I think the better team playing away from home, but a, a better team that's. That the, don't score huge amounts of goals. So and and against a very sort of Burnley team, um, I might say, 
I might say nil-nil. Just uh, a bit of a classic Burnley, Burnley result at Turf Moor against Palace. I'm watching a huge number of goals here. That is, that is a classic result. I'm going to go for a, a 2-1 Palace. I'll back Vieira. I just think they've been impressive. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see it end nil-nil either. And Cornet and Wood, I think that's another big man-little man partnership that's been working really well. Cornet is always lively. I could see him nicking a goal potentially. But yeah, I think Palace will have too much too much quality in the end. Um, so Newcastle, Brentford, what are you thinking about this one? I'm going to go for, I'll go for a two-all draw, four-goal thriller. I think it'll be quite end-to-end. Um, yeah, what about you? What are you thinking? Um, so anyhow, Newcastle at St. James's Park. I think Brentford gonna, are going to continue this worst run of form for at least another game. I think they're going to lose this one. I'm going to say 1-0 to Newcastle. I think um, Brentford going to actually 2-1, two, 2-1 one, two, one to Newcastle. I think there might be, there'll, there'll be a couple more goals on that. Um, I think Brentford are going to keep this this run going for a bit longer and Newcastle with a new manager. I think um, I'm going to, I'm going to see, and, and back at St. James's Park, I think it could be, um, I think it should, it should be a Newcastle win. Yeah. How, how is an attacking manager and he'll want to please the fans in his first game? Uh, I think a Wilson goal should be on the cards, you know, yeah, seems, seems written in the stars, but Brentford have been so impressive, um, but I just think the bigger games actually suit them more when there's less pressure to take the game to their opponent and they don't have to break down a worse opposition in a low block, really. Yeah, um, I think coming to St James's Park is going to be really difficult for them, um, especially on this uh, run of form. I think even after a couple of weeks break, they, there's a chance they've got it together a bit, but I think there'll still be maybe one more loss before they turn it around a bit. Yeah. Um then there's the Norwich Southampton game, which oh, could go either way. What are you what are you thinking for that one? Hmm, I don't want to say another draw. It seems like a lot of draws. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this I'm gonna give this one to Norwich. Um, I think coming in, new manager, already a win on. I think they might they might they might push on against the Southampton team, which has been playing okay, uh, especially recently actually, but. Um, I'm gonna say Norwich scraper one 0 win. I'll go for the opposite result and back Southampton for a one 0 win. I think it could go either way, but yeah, um, I think this is the first time in Premier League history actually a manager has played the same opposition in back to back games for <laughs> managing separate clubs because obviously Dean Smith managed them, managed Villa against Southampton. Now he's got Southampton as a first game and. At Norwich so yeah that could be interesting hopefully we'll see Gilmore get some game time but I think Norwich have a, a weaker left flank actually which Livramento can hopefully exploit and um, so the next game is a Watford United at, the, at Vicarage Road hmm, I, I'm going to give this one to Man United I think even though we talk a lot about Man United and, and some of the problems that they face they're still sick to the table. They still, they've still, they haven't had a great run the last five games, but they still, um, they still can get results against the likes of Watford. I think, um, even at Vicarage Road. So I'm going to say two-one um, Man United. Nice. Yeah, I'm thinking it might be a five-goal thriller. Let's go for a, a few more goals. We'll go three-two United. I think Ranieri will try to put up a fight um, and impress the home crowd, but United would just have too much quality and. I think it's got a Ronaldo goal written all over it. 
Yeah, um, really I'd good. like to see Rashford also get on the score sheet just because, as we've said, I think he look, looks quite sharp. I think last season he was actually carrying an injury and just managing it, which is you know never a good sign for a player. And it's probably why he regressed last season, didn't get as many goals. But I think right now he looks in peak physical condition and I think we should expect something from him in this game. So next game we've got Wolves-West Ham. I think I know which... Which way you're going to go in this prediction? <laughs> I'm going to go for West Ham in this one. Uh, we're just right. we're flying at the moment, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look out for an Antonio goal. He was unbelievable in um in the international break, scored an absolute screamer, um as well as another goal, scored his debut, then scored a scored a scream against uh, against um USA. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it two one West Ham. I still think Wolves are playing um playing well, playing a bit more free flying. So I can't see us keeping a clean sheet against them. Um. But I, I, I do us do I see us grabbing a result two one. Yeah, I was thinking a two one West Ham as well. I think, well, well, as you've said, Wolves have shown a bit. Um, I also saw Antonio got flown back early on a chartered private jet by your owners, Golden Sullivan, which cost them a hundred grand. So you know, each to their own. <laughs> I guess they need their star player back after seeing what he did on international duty. Mm-hmm. Um, next game up, we've got Liverpool Arsenal. Um, I'm going to be a pessimist here, and I, I'm really happy with the process so far. But I think this could be a bit of a hiding for us. So I'm going to go two 0 Liverpool. Mm, yeah, I've uh, I've got to agree with the Liverpool. I've got to go for Liverpool here. I'm not sure about the score. I think um, I feel like Arsenal could could try and come back with something, but I think Liverpool will be too good. And I'm going to go with three one, three one Liverpool. Uh, I think Liverpool are playing very well at the moment, and yeah, I know I'd agree that Arsenal are on a, a great run, and I'm, I'm I'm really impressed by them. But Liverpool just uh, I remember it's similar to a, a result last season against against Liverpool for us. Um, we, we lost two 0 I think, and I, and I was really trusting the process, and it was going really well. But then we just came up against a very good Liverpool team, and um, and they just outplayed us a bit. Uh, and that was what was different. It was very different last week when we played them. But it, it feels like that sort of time. Arsenal were on a good run of form. They really trust the process. But this Liverpool team just knows how to win those kind of games. Yeah, I expect us to um, start the game really well, but we'll probably get a bit disheartened. And, you know, we're a bit inexperienced as well. So I think the strength of opposition and their own experience will probably win them the game in the end. And, yeah, as you said, Salah will probably get a goal. But... Liverpool are missing a couple of play- couple of players actually. I think Robertson picked up an injury on international duty. Mane's not hundred percent, you know. So, and we've got Thomas Partey coming back from injury, who's so important to us. So you never know, you know. We might. It's the sort of game where we could nick a result, but I think we've lost our last five games or something there. So, especially at Anfield, we really struggle. So, yeah, I'm expecting a Liverpool win, but let's hope for the best. Okay, let's go for our City Everton predictions then. Um, I'm going to say um, City with another 2 0 result. I think that kind of result is so classic for City when they just comfortably beat our team. Um, and the Everton have been playing well. I think a lot of this, they're just going to struggle to break down City. And I can't see them just getting a goal. I can't see them stopping um, stopping the attack of City. So I think it'd be a classic 2 0 City. Watch out for a Cancelo uh, assist. Um, and, and just a great result from City again, I think. Yeah, I, I was actually leaning towards a bit of a, a City route, but I've seen that Grealish, De Bruyne and Foden are likely to miss this game with Knox, and I think De Bruyne's got COVID now. So I'm going to bring that back slightly. I might just go for a 3-0. 
but I still think that City will just have too much and their squad depth is great anyway. You know, we might might end up just seeing Sterling and Mares and Jesus lead the line, which is more than good enough to to beat that Everton team. Um, and yeah, I, I just don't think City can really afford to drop points, especially with Liverpool and Chelsea being so competitive this season. Uh, a couple of seasons back, they only managed to win the win the league by one point in the end, um, which was obviously such a tight margin. I think Klopp and Pep will both have that in mind that season in particular in terms of making sure they don't drop any points and maximise the amount of points they can get. Yeah, every game. It feels like every game they need to win, otherwise the other one's going to be right on um, on the tail. Well, since you need to win... Uh this game because we're on the same points as them, West Ham on the same points as them, so we could jump into uh, second if they don't get a result against Everton. That'd be a story, wouldn't it? It would, it would. So, final game of the weekend will be a Spurs Leeds game. I'm gonna go for let's go for a a three nil, three nil Spurs. I think. Wow. Conte hasn't had too much time to implement tactics, but I think everyone knows how Bielsa sets up, and it'll be a really end to end game. Hmm, I'm tempted to give Leeds a goal, but without Bamford, I think they look a bit toothless at times. Maybe Rafinha will nick a goal and it could be a 3-1, but I'll stick to I'll stick to a 3-0. Um, and with Kane's back-to-back hat-tricks in the international break, I think they could see something out of that. But yeah, it'll be, it's a tough, that's a tough game to call, I think, that one. Yeah, no, I was leaning towards uh, a Tottenham win. I look back at, at Leeds with a draw, draw on the weekend. And um, playing, playing decent against against some better opposition, and I just don't think Spurs have Spurs have the squad to uh, break down. Oh, well, let's put the, the squad to go forward and break down, but I don't think they've got the the back line to to stop a Rafinha goal or two. So I'm actually going to say a two all draw because I think there will be some goals. But I think we might see we might see another draw um, because that's that's. Um, the result we uh, we've been seeing from from both of them, they're both true last week, and I, I think it's going to be a similar sort of result um, to both of their games last week. Yeah, interesting actually. Um, I think Romero Spurs' centre back is also likely to miss the game with an injury, and he's probably their best centre back. So, yeah, maybe I should revise that that three nil prediction. But I'll I'll stick to it. I'll stick to it. We'll go we'll go three nil. So. All right. Well, thanks, Joe, for coming on. It's been a been a great chat. It's been quite a long one, but um, yeah, it has. Uh, no, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries, and I look forward to having you again on sometime soon. I look forward to it. Thanks a lot. Cheers.